Hey America, it's JD Collier and today's episode of Eagle, Haas and Hound is the Beat Army episode. So I got my Navy stuff on. Uh, this is the Army week and Navy is gonna beat Army, doggone it. Um, also, I'll be talking about Squanto as our Haas this week. Uh, so this is JD Collier and please sit back and enjoy the Eagle, Haas and Hound podcast. for another excellent show. It's the Eagle, Haas and Hound podcast. All right, so you can see I got my Navy clothes on. I'm pretty excited about beating Army this week. So all of you uh, Eagles out there that may have been with Army, too bad for you, buddy. <laughs> get ready to get your butt whooped. Navy's going to kick your ass. Navy's going to beat Army. So uh, we got the, the famous Army-Navy game coming up this Saturday. And uh, I, I think that the uniforms are going to be something to see. So uh, I'm hoping to see some of it myself. I actually won't be able to go to the game. Even though I'm here in Pennsylvania, usually they have it down in Philadelphia. Um, my daughter has a couple of, uh, ballet recitals, so I'll be going to those things and maybe I'll get a chance to tune in. But, uh, uh, it just, I just can't help but reminisce about the time when I was a plebe, when I was a, a plebe at Navy back in the day. And, uh, we got a chance to face off with Army and it was, a such a nostalgic thing, such a mysterious thing. I mean, you're going through that Navy training, and the first thing you show up in plebe summer, and they teach you all this stuff about beat army, and they were serious about this stuff. So, uh, well, you had to you had to follow directions and follow orders. So uh, I had to be serious about it too. So I remember my uncle telling me how uh, he was impressed when he came to see me, uh, uh, you know, after the plebe summer, and he's like, "Man, you were saying you were saying we gotta beat army, Uncle Steve. We gotta beat army." And <laughs> I guess I was really serious. Um, <clears throat> But, um, <coughs> well, <coughs> sorry about that. I just breathed in some popcorn. <coughs> okay, well, that's better. I think, um, for those who are listening, I, uh, I'm eating some popcorn. If you're not watching me on uh, YouTube, I'm eating some popcorn and I'm talking and maybe I should not be talking like that when I'm eating popcorn because man, I just took a little bit of, I breathed in some popcorn, I think. <clears throat> so a little swig of beer, take it down. So uh, clear it out a little bit. All right. Seems like that's better. Now, where was I? <laughs> oh yeah, beat army. That's right. It's time for the Navy to beat Army. Let's, let's not forget. We're serious about this, okay? So, uh, yeah, I, my, my plebe year at the academy, uh, our football season, well, it wasn't really much to talk about. I mean, we, I remember we had this uh, coach. His name was Uzlak, and one of, the, one of the cheers that we made in the stands was, Uzlak, pass, pass, pass. I, I guess we were uh, not seeing him pass very much. He was doing the handoff thing, and it wasn't going very well. We were losing a lot of games, but doggone it, we are going to beat Army, you know. And um, if we weren't going to do it with our skill, we are going to do it with our faith. And I think that's how we won the game. <laughs> so me and my buddy, we are uh, watching this game, and, it, you know, it was, it was a tough match, and uh, Army was beating us, you know. Dang it, they were beating us until fourth quarter. And uh, there's only like two minutes left, and we got a drive. The drive was going along, and the score was 16 to 17, and they're beating us, right? 17. The Army was 17. Navy was 16. And so me and my buddy up in the stands, we got all of our uniforms on, right? And uh, we're like, hey, let's, uh, 
let's do something for our team. Let's let's go bare skin. It was only like 30 degrees, maybe less, you know. It was cold, man. Maybe it was like 20-something degrees. Anyway, we're like, okay, yeah, yeah. So out of the whole brigade of midshipmen, the two of us, me and Phil, you know who I'm talking about, Phil, we took off our uniform shirts uh, all the way down to the skin. <laughs> we're bare skin in the fourth quarter. Come on, Navy, let's beat Army. Come on, let's do it, you know. And, um, well, we got close enough to do a field goal attempt and uh they lined up navy lines up and uh here comes our field goal kicker up there boom frank shake kicks that field goal and we won that game man it was 19 to 17 i'll never forget it It was the greatest thing ever because you know when, when you beat army and you're a plebe uh at, at navy then uh that makes the last week of school go pretty darn well but if you hadn't beat army i, I guess it would have been pretty bad so uh luckily i got to see what it was like to beat army and uh, you know, there's a bunch of other stories that happened during that time. I'll probably save that for another episode, but it certainly is a memorable time. It's a time, you know, for, um, you know, a lot of camaraderie happens. You know, there's a lot of, you know, so-called like roughing people up and stuff like that. You know, that, that happens a little bit, but it's all for good fun, you know, as long as nobody gets hurt. But I did know somebody got a broken rib one time, but or was it a broken arm? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, we got a little rough sometimes, but it was a lot of fun, and, and I'm glad for the experience. And uh, I cherish those kind of traditions, you know, that we have uh, in the service. Those kind of things like, like the Army-Navy rivalry, okay? And uh, so I'm, I'm so glad that I had that. I'm so glad that we still have that going on today. So beat Army! <laughs> oh, wow. Um so today's Eagle, Haas, and Hound, I'm going to be talking about Squanto, and I don't know, if has anybody ever heard of Squanto before? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I didn't hear much about him, but, um, uh, you know, he is actually somebody who we should study in our history as one of a, a very prominent American that helped us uh, succeed here in America, okay? So this fellow Squanto, he was a Native American, okay? And he was up in Massachusetts. So when the Pilgrims came... Uh, they had a friend in this fellow named Squanto, but the story doesn't start there. It starts beforehand. <laughs> so I talk about the eagle, the hoss, and the hound on the Eagle, Hoss, and Hound podcast. And um, the eagle, I just talked about the Army-Navy rivalry. I talk about the people from a service background. I call you an eagle. Uh, if you come from the armed forces, law enforcement, fire and rescue, or spouses, I call you an eagle because of your service and sacrifice. Um, I don't call you a veteran because I believe that the veteran is, is more of a V word. It's kind of a negative connotation in this, uh, in this day and age. Unfortunately, uh, they would like you to be a victim, and uh, I will not have any of that. We're not victims. We are eagles, okay? So I give you the term eagle. You're an eagle. And I expect you to be wildly successful when you come out of, out of, the, office, out of uh, the service, come out of the uniform, and go into your private life. And so that's what Eagle is. That's why I call you an Eagle. So uh, this Eagle, Hoss, and Hound celebrates the Eagle. And uh, we also celebrate a Hoss. The Hoss is somebody who, in our American past, uh, was a prominent figure who helped advance social integrity for our country. And that today's Hoss is going to be Squanto. Okay, and uh, another thing, let me back up a little bit because I always talk about the eagle. I talk about eagle attributes, okay? What makes the eagle so good when they get out of service and why do they do so well? It's because of their attributes of strength, honor, courage, commitment, and respect, okay? And on this show, I talk about attributes. I, I give a little bit of time each week to talk about one of the attributes. In this case, 
Today's attribute is going to be commitment, okay? And uh, let me talk about commitment before I start talking more about squantos. Commitment, okay? Commitment is something, it is a skill that you learn, okay? It is something that you are, it becomes intrinsic in you. I say you are imbued with the attribute of commitment. And how do you get that is because of your duty when you're in the service. You are out there and you are required to pay attention to your surroundings. You develop your senses because you are on watch, okay? Uh, you know, you have to pay attention and you have to report what you see. And then you have to act on what you see um, because you learn how to, how to stand watch. You, you develop some heightened senses because of, because of that. And um, you are committed, you are committed to accomplishing that mission and so your your antennas are up and you're watching and you're you've got your binoculars on and you're watching every single detail and this this strong commitment uh that you have for 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 accomplishing the mission you are you're really tuning up all of your senses so that you can find all the stuff that you need to find out about your environment and report it back so that you can succeed and, and what ends up happening is because of this this strong commitment to to the mission okay uh and and because of these these senses you know you actually you develop a way to innovate of, over all these obstacles okay so this commitment skill it's more than it's more than the surface okay it gives you the ability to be such an innovator okay because you are not willing to to give up your commitment on the mission uh, because something went went a little uh, out of plan, okay? So you find a way around it, okay? You can see right through these obstacles and you accomplish the mission because of your deep commitment, okay? And the thing about it is, once you leave service, it's magic. The commitment, that skill is in you. <laughs> you don't even have to think about it. In every task that you're given by your employer, uh, you are thinking several steps down the road um, because of this commitment skill that you have. And it's highly valuable to, to employers out there. It's highly valuable to your team around you um, because of this skill. So make sure you recognize it and exercise that skill every day, the skill, uh, the attribute of commitment, okay? So that's the commitment skill. Now let's talk about squanto, okay? Um, squanto, an unlikely hoss, okay? I've talked about some other Native Americans that did some pretty cool stuff. You know, I talked about some of the warriors, you know, your, your crazy horse and your sitting bull, your chief Joseph, your, um, uh, Quanta Parker, okay? And, uh, don't forget Geronimo. Well, you know, Quanta Parker had a mother, okay? His mother, um, uh, Cynthia, I think it was Cynthia Parker, she was someone who, uh, she had, she was Irish American and, uh, she had been kidnapped. Okay. At an age of about nine or 10, she was kidnapped and then raised up by the native Americans. Okay. So she knew English, she knew the English culture or the American culture. And then she became part of the, 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 the Comanche tribe. She learned the, the, the culture and the language of the Comanches. Okay. So here's someone who, you know, I talked about her son, but, uh, she was a pivotal, pivotal figure uh, in, in, in relations between the Native Americans and, uh, you know, the, the American settlers. Um, so that's Cynthia Parker. Another one I talked about was Pocahontas, okay? Pocahontas was a central person who helped 
the, uh, the settlers in the Jamestown settlement from 1607 on to be successful because she was an emissary between her tribe. You know, her father was Powhatan, the chief of, of that uh, nation, and uh, helped make peace and, and make it so that the English settlers could actually succeed. And uh, she had lots of skills in doing that. So that was Pocahontas, okay? Another one I talked about was Sacagawea, who in the uh, the Lewis and Clark expedition, Sacagawea was, she was pivotal, man. I mean, she was a translator. She was able to translate between, um, well, she, I think she knew a little bit of French and then the French translated into English, but she knew the tribes that she was going and encountering because she, at a young age, uh, had been kidnapped by one of the other tribes. And this kidnapping thing, you know, uh, it seemed like it was kind of a common thing. If you found a, a kid that was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, they didn't kill him. They, they kidnapped him and brought him into their tribe. Um, and, and then it turns out that they ended up having, you know, some good things happen. Now, I'm not saying all good things happen because sometimes, uh, you know, they, they made him a slave and things didn't go well. But um, in the case of Sacagawea, she had developed some skills and she ended up being a, a very pivotal person in America's history, uh, helping the Lewis and Clark expedition to succeed. Okay, so here I said all that to you because all of those other previous figures that had been... Uh, pivotal, had been, uh, had some language skills, you know, and they mixed in with the, uh, with the others. They were able to be emissaries. Same thing happened with this guy named Squanto. So this is Squanto who was, uh, up, he was part of the very first Thanksgiving celebration of America. And we're only a couple weeks after Thanksgiving. So I'll mention this, uh, Thanksgiving, it's, it's uh, a pretty cool time here in America. We celebrated on the 4th Thursday of the month of November every year, and it was it was made into an official holiday by Abraham Lincoln in 1864. But we've been celebrating it pretty much ever since the Pilgrims came. The Pilgrims landed in 1619. Uh, pretty tough time. It took them, you know, like you know, 66 days to get across the Atlantic, and it was a tough time. They, the Pilgrims, were they were they were Puritans. Okay, they were trying to. They were trying to worship God in the way that they wanted to. They didn't want to have to be told how to do it. They wanted to, to do it according to what they thought was right, by reading the Bible and doing as, as they saw fit. But and they were escaping Europe because Europe was a mess, man. I mean, you know, you had uh, England. I'll have to back up a little bit. Well, what, what would make these Puritans, these pilgrims, get on a ship and go so far out of their way and try to live in the wilderness amongst the uh, the tribes that may want to kill them. You know, why was that preferable than staying back in Europe? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Europe was a doggone mess, okay? Europe was a mess because the uh, many of the, the nations in Europe, there were monarchies, okay? England being one. England had uh, several kings that... Uh, I'll start talking about Henry VIII, okay? Henry VIII in the early 1500s, he... Um, he becomes the king, and uh, his wife wasn't producing the babies that he was hoping for. He only got one girl, and uh, you know her babies were miscarriages, I guess. Things weren't working out, and he wanted to divorce her and get himself another wife so he could have, have, a, have an heir. He wanted a son. Um, turns out that uh, they wouldn't let him have a divorce, <laughs> and they being the Catholic Church, okay? So he was a devout Catholic at the time they were practicing Catholic Catholicism in, in England, and... Uh, 
there wasn't much of this uh, Protestant uh, religion going on. There wasn't a lot of that, but there was, you know, there was the Protestant uh, after uh, uh, that fellow named Martin Luther had, you know, he nailed his grievances up on the door and says, I, you know, this, this whole Catholicism thing is messed up. Uh, he, he believed it should be done another way. So anyway, England was Catholic and Henry VIII, he decided he wanted to get divorced and he had to appeal to the Pope and uh, it didn't go well, and basically they they were denying it, and so he basically he decided to divorce England from the Roman Catholic Church, and he started his own church, okay, the the Church of England, okay, Henry the Eighth, and Henry the Eighth was kind of a brutal guy. He was he went through a whole bunch of different wives, you know, divorced them, and he even beheaded a couple of them. Uh, he wasn't a very nice guy, and. Uh, you know, I, I still don't think he got the heir that he was looking for because after he passed away, his daughter, who was uh, uh, Mary, she became queen. And, uh, you know, he actually tried to make it so that some other one would become queen, but it didn't turn out good because uh, he was dead and he couldn't do anything. A week later, I think it was Lady Jane or something like that. Well, she was queen for a week, but then they got rid of her. What is it, sweetie? Hold on a second. I got to talk to my daughter. Go! Mighty Navy, go, go, Mighty Navy, go, Mighty Navy, go, go, Mighty Navy, go, 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 Mighty Navy, go, go, Mighty Navy, beat Army! <laughs> All right, so I'm back. Uh, I had to handle my daughter. She uh, wanted a little snack, so she came down and asked Dad. I'm in my basement office down here. So where was I? All right. I was talking about how England is such a mess, Europe was such a mess, there was not, um, there was a, a lot of uh, religious stuff going on, the different uh, monarchies in Europe, of course they're warring all the time, and part of the, when they would when they try to make peace, they would sometimes intermarry, you know, uh, so uh, it seems like uh, the, the, the first bride of, uh, of uh, Henry VIII in England had come from France, or, or maybe Spain. Maybe, yeah, it was Spain, sorry. Anyway, uh, that, that's how they try to make peace is have, hey, uh, promise my daughter to marry uh, your son kind of thing, you know. Um, and, well, there was all this uh, strife going on. So, like I said, Henry VIII, he, he divorced England from, uh, from the, <laughs> the Catholic Church. But his, when he died, his daughter Mary, she was Catholic. <laughs> his daughter was Catholic, and she's like, no, uh, we're going back to Catholicism. <laughs> so they're flipping and flopping from Protestant to Catholic. And so she's the queen, Mary is the queen, and she's having all these Protestants uh, killed. I mean, she is just brutal, you know. So uh, they actually called her Bloody Mary. <laughs> she got this nickname because she was so brutal and people were dying. And, um, well... Uh, Mary, she she only lasted for five years as a queen, and then she died some kind of cancer, probably. And then uh, the next queen comes along. I think her name was Elizabeth. Um, she was Protestant, <laughs> so she's reversing it the other way. So you know, it's Catholic to Protestant to Catholic, and now back to Protestant. And so there's all this turmoil in England, and over all these all these different monarchs, they're uh, you know they it's a it's a state. Uh, a state religion, okay? So what's the state religion? I guess it depends on what, what what monarch. And so all these people are getting killed. I think as much as 2% of the population, like 75,000 people were 
were, were executed because of their religious beliefs. And then that's, that's only the people that were killed. How many other people were put in prison? Some of these people who were the Puritans, they got tired of being put in prison and threatened. And some of them killed because of their religious beliefs. And then they ended up fleeing and they were in Holland for a while. So they're in Holland and, you know, they're working, working in the city and they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're city folk. Okay. But they still, they want to have their freedom. Their kids were starting to become, uh, you know, Holland was very liberal and they were just kind of just, you know, getting the habits that they, they were not being very, very, uh, Puritan, uh, there in, in Holland and they wanted their kids to be more pure or whatever. So they found a way to get a, a, ch a ship and charter themselves to leave Europe and go to America where they could start over. Okay. And this is, these are the Puritans. They get this Mayflower. Okay. The Mayflower goes across the Atlantic and they land over there. Uh, and they were supposed to, they had some charter. They were supposed to go down to, uh, like the mouth of the Hudson and stuff like that. But they ended up you know, going off course. They're all the way up in Boston area, off of Cape Cod and that, and they were tired. It was November and they, you know, they're, it's cold. They're tired. They're, you know, there was 102 of them that started they they get ashore they try to make some kind of a place to settle and they somehow make it through the winter but half of them died it was a tough time okay so luckily they didn't have the native americans coming and killing them <laughs> and it turns out that it had to do something this guy named squanto so anyway the the the, uh, the mayflower gets there about 1619 they're trying they're struggling to survive and um let's roll the clock back uh, a few years and um, <clears throat> so we we know America. There was already the seven, 1607 Jamestown settlement down in Virginia, and now 1619 we get the Pilgrims. But in between that time, there were other voyages that came out to America from England. And most of the time, it wasn't because of hey, let's make a settlement. These were some uh, some. Uh, entrepreneurs of the sea <laughs> they were fishermen and then they were trying to get some riches okay and what they did was the, sometimes they would come up and they would try to make friends with the with the native americans or the indians as they call them and then they would kidnap them and take them away and sell them as slaves and that's exactly what happened to this fellow squanto he's minding his own business going and uh hunting for some or fishing for some lobster and uh here comes some of these uh explorers or whatever you want to call them uh from a ship i think his name was hunt the captain of the ship and uh he uh rounded up a half a dozen or several of them including squanto and uh basically put them on the ship took them across the atlantic and actually took squanto and his buddies all of his uh native american buddies and um sold them as slaves in spain and uh so, you know, Squanto saw some of his, uh, all of his uh, other uh, braves that were with him get sold off to other people. And then when it came time to him to be sold off, uh, he's standing there and some different people came up and bought him. And these were monks, okay? They were monks. They, had, they were uh, practicing uh, very, you know, very Puritan-like the religion uh, from, a, from a Catholic bent of Christianity, okay? So they had this 12, he was 12 when he got kidnapped. He's 12 years old. He becomes a slave or purchased by these monks and he lives with monks in, in Spain for about five years and they, they teach him about Christianity. He learns, he becomes Christian. He, he, uh, 
you know, converts to the faith of Christianity. Uh, of course, he learned some language, but he was really sad. He was talking about, I want to go back to my family back in America. You know, I was kidnapped and they, they figured out a way. They said, well, if you want to go back to America, you got to go back to England because they're, they're the ones that are bringing ships over there and a um, good chance you'll get a chance to go on one of those ships. And they arranged, these Spanish monks arranged for him to go to uh, stay with somebody in England who was a merchant. And so he ends up staying with this family in England for about five more years um, until the point at which he was able to get a ride on one of these ships going back to the New World. And so Squanto, in that five years that he's in England, he learns the English language, okay? <laughs> he learns some of the customs of the in the culture of England and the English people. Um, so, you know, he's had 10 years over in Europe uh, learning Christianity, learning English, learning about the European culture, but he still wants to see his family, and uh, he's very persistent. He gets a chance, and he gets on a ship, and he goes over to uh, the uh, the you know England or New England. You know, uh, he ends up he ends up getting back to his his, his native territory. Um, unfortunately, when he arrived, he finds out that his uh, his whole tribe was wiped out. There's nobody there. It's it's just you know all what's left of it the fields that are left the uh, you know the the makeshift uh, the teepees or houses that you know the, that are still sitting there just flapping in the breeze no one is there and he he learns that they were wiped out by a plague a lot of times many of the Amer Native American tribes got wiped out by some kind of a smallpox or something else that the the you know the Europeans brought over and so. The place was a ghost town and you know he's all sad like man you know he ended up you know wandering off and, and joining up with one of the uh try other tribes uh his his tribe was called patuxent or patuxet patuxet and uh they were wiped out so he ended up uh getting up with these uh i think it was the uh uh wampanoags wampanoags and um so these Wampanoags had started uh, to intermingle with this uh, this group of, of settlers, the Puritans that came in, and they were starting to make trade with them, and they were trying to be peaceful with them. They actually made a, a peace agreement with them. And uh, when Squanto was with them, they said, hey, you know, uh, since he knows English, maybe he can deal with them. And so Squanto ends up going into the, the settlement, and you know, he, he's actually able to deal and speak and be a translator for and be an emissary for and between the tribe and the, uh, the, the English settlers who are the Puritans. And uh, the, the settlers, they really appreciated that, man. I was talking about how bad it was. They were dying. They were barely making it through the wintertime. They didn't have any food. Well, here comes the spring and Squanto, knowing English, and being, you know, understanding their situation. He lost his whole family. He was pretty, uh, uh, you know, uh, he had some mercy on them, and he taught them things. He taught them how to plant three kernels of corn. Look, I'm eating corn right now. Put three kernels of corn in the hole and take some fish and put them in there with them for fertilizer, and then you grow your corn crop. And from him teaching them how to do this and teaching them how to plant and teaching them how to even go and, 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 and fish and find certain kind of berries and fruits and things and, and roots and vegetables and all that stuff taught to those, those Puritan uh, pilgrims uh, by Squanto. Uh, they were able to have a great harvest that year. And because of that, at the end of the year, they said, hey, we're going to give thanks. So um, William Bradford, the governor of the new colony, um, he calls for a feast. 
and uh, the, the Wampanoag uh, tribe, they bring 90 people over there, 90, uh, and, and lots of like five deer. And they, for three days, they have this magnificent feast and play games and have a great time. And why? Because this fellow Squanto was able to help, uh, you know, get them on their feet and get them in, in a point where, like I said, these Puritans, they were city folk, okay? They worked in little factories and stuff like that. They didn't know how to grow crops. But they were so scared of what the, what was going on over there in Europe, they were willing to risk anything, including death, uh, starvation, just to get away from there and go to a wilderness where they could practice their own religion. And that's what they were doing. So, you know, Squanto, unfortunately, the next year, he caught uh, some kind of a fever and he passed away. And, and, and unfortunately, that happens to happen to a lot of Native Americans. So they were pretty scared to uh, deal with the uh, Europeans because there was too much plague. And so, uh, anyway, I, I raise up Squanto as a hoss because here's a guy who was able to promote uh, a, a social integrity between, and, and basically have some love and some peace and some mercy between the Native Americans and the new settlers that were there in America to help America start, okay? So we're very thankful for that. We're thankful for our Thanksgiving feast. We're thankful for, you know, just being able to be here in a place where we in America are free to... to uh, you know, have the religion that we want to have and to practice it and, and have freedom of speech. And these kind of things are the, in the beginning of America, even when we're still part of the colony of England, we had this sense of being on our own, okay, being different, having our own thing going on. And, you know, it started us in the direction of finally getting rid of England uh, and being able to be independent. So, um I really, uh, I really like Squanto. I hope you do too. I consider him a hoss. And uh, I'm uh, looking at the last couple episodes for this year. I've uh, been pretty much given one every week, and this is no different. i uh, got a, three more weeks after this one, three more episodes. Uh, looking to do uh, maybe even two episodes on Muhammad Ali. Okay, and then I think that last episode of the year, I'm probably just going to do like a wrap-up episode, uh, kind of a, a, a summary of several things that I've done in the first year with you. So um, then I think next year, you know, give me your comments if you have some ideas. But next year, I think I'm going to downshift a little bit because uh, I want to shift into more quality programs or more quality content and not so much quantity. So I've been pushing myself hard to do one one per week, one per week. So I'm going to do a little bit less frequent, but I'm going to do uh, higher quality episodes. So tell me if you like that idea, okay? So this is J.D. Collier with Eagle, Haas, and Hound, and this is the Beat Army episode. So thanks for joining the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. And remember to like and subscribe. All right, talk to you later. Yeah, there's my puppy. There's Vader. That's my dog. Yeah, you were trying to get my attention when I was doing that podcast, weren't you? Uh-huh, I heard you out here barking. Yeah, this is Vader. Can you say hi, Vader? Hello, roo-roo. Can you say roo-roo, huh, puppy? Say roo-roo. Yes, there's my puppy, yes. Vader's almost 16 years old. Yeah, he's, he's an old boy. Get up! Quarter to four. I go to work and I hit the floor. Hard work, work. Guys, that's awesome.